Hey there, boys and girls. It's Ralph Garman, and you're listening to Talking Cod Swallop. Good choice. Hello, everybody. This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Man. You might know me from the Tell Him Steve Day podcast and the I Sell Comics podcast. Listen, I love podcasting. I love talking, but what I really love doing is talking cod swallow. Hey, I'm Alicia Witt. I'm Daniel Portman from Game of Thrones. I play Podrick Payne. I'm Ellipses, and you're listening to the talking... Okay, I'm Mark Bernard, and you're listening to the Talking Cod Swallow podcast. Hey, man, it's Kevin Smith, Silent Bob, whose voice you were never used to hearing in the 90s until I started opening it up, man. And that's because I'm a podcaster, and you're listening to a podcast, Talking Cod Swallow, right here, man. Welcome to this week's Talking Codswallop. I am Gemma. I'm James. I'm Andy. I'm Sean. Oh, he's introduced himself. That's fine. I like this. You've you've gone you've gone straight into it. You've introduced yourself. Yeah, brilliant. That means he feels like he's at home, everybody. <laughs> Which is exactly how we like our victim guests. Oh, thank you. Our victims. <laughs> so as you may have guessed, listeners, this is our Halloween episode. And of course, we have some spooky treats for you. But also, just a quick shout out as well, that we are the final podcast part of all the horror podcasts that basically released a load of episodes for 31 days. So we are the final the final podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> the final piece of the jigsaw. Spooky. Yeah, <laughs> Someone get Gemma medication. Yeah. I don't need medication. Anyway, so we've got obviously our special guest Sean with us. So, John, did you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the creepy stuff? Unless, of course, you're creepy and then, you know, part of the gang again. <laughs> it all depends on people's point of view. Yeah, well, I. Well, I'm training to become an actor. Brilliant. Been doing workshops for about three years. Um, and I'm currently looking around drama schools and what's what. And like you lot, I like telling stories. I like to know what's what. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to this, to be honest. No, excellent. Excellent. And it's very kindly you and James said, will you come on? And I thought, great. Yeah, I will do. But yeah, um, let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Before we do, I've actually wanted to share a couple of stories, if that's okay. And even if you say no, I'm still going to go ahead. So, <laughs> <laughs> you say no, she's just going to edit you out. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was something that reminded me, and uh, which was I saw a balloon, you know, and then they're flying in the sky the other day, and it reminded me that. When it was the sort of year after my dad had passed away, the on his birthday, oh, sorry, not the year after, but a couple of months after the, yeah, we let a balloon go for him, but we had like, we tied like a little message to it. You know, it was just, it wasn't supposed to like do anything. It was kind of just a symbolic thing. Mm -hmm. But then on the anniversary of him passing, 
just happened to be that we were down at the bottom of our garden behind the shed and we found that same balloon behind the shed and it was on the exact Ooh. day that he died and I, I, is- I thought that was so it was like spine tingling sort of nice but creepy at the same time mm. and obviously we knew it was the same balloon because the messages were still on there Whoa. yeah and like it's it was one of those things that is just really hard to kind of explain what actually happened because I know obviously you know the wind does certain things or whatever but it was the fact that it was those specific days and we clearly watched it fly off miles away you know so wow freaky but yeah so it's just it's just one of those pondering moments I I don't really know how to follow up on that well that's quite a, an amazing thing to happen that's those very unique things that happened. Yeah, it was. It was just a very special moment. So, but the other thing that I was going to talk about as well in brief, because what we're talking about on this Halloween spectacular episode is we're going to be covering serial killers and we've each brought mm. a different serial killer to the party. So please don't kill me, please. <laughs> Where's my round of applause? <laughs> <laughs> now that is a slow hang clap yeah Gemma will just speed it up in the edit no no yeah. i won't it's much funnier to keep it the way it was <laughs> so some of my family are welsh from north wales and when i was a child we used to go to this cinema that was very close by and years later we found out that that cinema uh, sorry, the owner of that cinema actually killed people and were bur- uh, was burying all of the sort of parts of the bodies underneath the seats at the cinema. Nice. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> Good old North Wales. <laughs> Gee, God. So you had a bit of beef jerky quite often then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, can you imagine, like, if you were swinging your legs and you hit something and you'd be like... Oh, what's that? And you just, you know, cause naturally sometimes what you do is you just like, you know, kick that, kick the thing forward so you can see what it is, you know? You reach under the seat. Oh, and then a hand comes out. <laughs> but how creepy is that? I can't remember the guy's name, the guy who owned it. And, you know, he can remain nameless because obviously he was a horrible person. But yeah, it was just the fact that we so regularly when uh, you know when we were in north wales it was a couple of visits each time that we were up there that we'd go to the cinema <laughs> Gee, god it's a good job we they didn't uh take a fancy to us i suppose wasn't it was he picking like particular victims was it like women children or yeah i'm not sure unfortunately this is literally just a thought that popped into my head so i didn't put any sort of research into it so listeners if you want to find out more about who this murder is please you know contact us tell us and Gemma can do all the research and find more out yeah further things about it yeah or listeners you could do the work and Gemma can have the easy part of just reading it out yeah so either way is good yeah they've heard me reading though that's the only thing (laughs) That's right. James and I can practice doing our best Gemma impression, and then we'll, yeah. in the style of Gemma. There yes. once was a man who... <laughs> there was once a man, right, who lived like yeah. in Wales, right? <laughs> I don't say right a lot, I say like, like a lot. Like, yeah. Yeah, he had like a cinema. 
yeah. It's always when I'm listening back to the audio, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, I said like again. <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't think we're creeping out the listeners at the moment, so... Shall we get into the spooky side of things? Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty creeped out, but go on. <laughs> yeah, well, no, yeah, those two stories. Yeah, that story was pretty bad. I, I won't be going to the cinema tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you do, take a stick and just have a little prod around. Yeah. yeah I, I might do just like a little grabber that you get from the shops. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if you pick anything up, let us know, yeah? Yeah. I will. <laughs> <laughs> so... Jim, just on the back of what your first one about the balloon. Yeah. Have you ever had any premonitions, or not premonitions, but something you've done out of the ordinary that you wouldn't normally do, and you did that for a reason that you find out later on, or didn't even think about, and then it occurs to you that you did something you'd never normally would have done? Hmm. I, I don't think so, but I'm happy to ponder on that, and I might answer it at the end of the show. And I've thought about it, if you like. Yeah, or is yeah. there is there something that um, springs to mind for yourself? Yeah, because it just reminded me that the night my dad went into intensive care, mm-hmm. it was just after a routine angiogram, I left my um, friend's phone number to say that I was going to see him in Northampton. And this is the mm-hmm. number. Not something I normally would do as a 18-year-old. You know, I don't need to tell my parents where I'm going. <laughs> and you don't really contact numbers. And I just did it. And there was a reason for that because I had to come back and go to the John Radcliffe. So, yeah, yeah it was just, just like something you never normally would do. And you do it without thinking. You don't even remember doing it. But then in reflection, go, oh, that, that. That was odd. Hmm, I don't think I've ever had anything like that. It doesn't have to be to that kind of darkness. But, that wasn't know. that wasn't darkness, to be honest. No, either. it's when you have a push, isn't it, to do something. You, you think, no, I've got to go and do this. I've got to do it. Mm. At the time, you don't know why, do you? And then you pays off to a degree. Yeah, it's like turning right where you normally turn left. And by turning right, you stumble across a magic bean that gives you access <laughs> to a big cloud with a giant and lots of gold. You know, it's that kind of... A decision you don't normally make is made and something happens as a result. Now, when that happened, Andy, you've been drinking heavily. <laughs> no, but someone did ask me, did I want mushrooms with my breakfast? <laughs> oh, there we go. Did you kind of see colours after you had the mushrooms? <laughs> colours, I couldn't really explain what sort of colours they were mm. and the monsters were beautiful. <laughs> Oh, well, at least the monsters were beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard someone someone describe when they've ta- they've taken like drugs and they were. I asked them to explain what they felt. And they went, "I don't know. Everything just looked amazing. All the colours, and you just feel like you're alive again. But you know you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've forgotten who I was talking. Uh, who I was talking to? Who I was listening to. But um, they had done the biography of, um, oh, God, we, we discussed him, I think, with Jerry. Um, who's who's the guys on the sound clip in the Tool song? Oh, um, I'm great with names, Sean. Honestly, I, I'm just the world's best when it comes to famous people's names. It's not like Hunter S. Thompson or no. somebody, is it? My best, it's him. Okay, yeah. comedian talking on. You know, and here's Tom with the weather. Oh, I think he was also in Judgment Night. Uh, Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. Yeah, I think it, he was talking. He he did the biography of Bill Hicks or another. 
comedian of the same vein. Mm-hmm. And and this comedian has said, because he was famous for doing LSD and acid, he said, the one thing that people forget to do when they take these things is just to embrace the trip. Mm. Yeah. The more you embrace it, the better, not the better, but the more you see and feel and experience. Whereas if you fight it, that's where you have the bad one with all the monsters and the pounding heart. Mm. I just don't know whether I can let grip of reality that enough to to just embrace it no i i don't know to be honest it sounds like a crazy fantastic ride it does doesn't it but yeah i don't know i could never really see myself doing anything harder than like cigarettes because i'm trying to herd cats come on murder people murder (laughs) right have you missed me (laughs) no because you were here last week oh yes dickhead There's one for the after dark. <laughs> yeah. Did you miss me? Dickhead. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Hello, Governor. I don't really talk like that. I'm from America. Where everything is beautiful every day. We don't have no Brexit bullshit. That's that's your serial killer right there. Is that bullshit? Hey, this is Jay Ray from Politics with Dummies. How you guys doing over there, Codswallop? What's crackalacking? I'm uh, I was given a task to do my top ten serial killers, which is super fucked up. I'm not doing my top ten serial killers. What I will do is tell you my number one fictional serial killer. And then, of course, is Patrick Bateman. You guys know who Patrick Bateman is? Oi, oi, oi! Is any of that uh, disrespectful? Hey, uh, he was American Psycho. If, if you've seen that movie, Christian Bale played Patrick Bateman, who was psycho as fuck, and still funny as hell at the same time. And nobody really died in real life. So that's, that makes it all nice and beautiful. So happy Halloween, motherfuckers. Tear me apart, Lisa! Greetings and salutations. My name is Scott, and I am the host of Writer's Bagel Basket, doing what they call a favor. This is for Talking Codswell Up, and James and Gemma and Andy asked me to submit this little thing. And if you are unfamiliar with our podcast over there in the UK, we are very popular here in America. And if you know of our podcast, you keep your goddamn mouth shut. Do not fact check us. (laughs) We are talking about something I have no idea about. So my guest co-host is my wife, who has a degree in criminal justice. I do, and I've done nothing with it until now. (laughs) So we are talking about... 10 serial killers because we can't say top 10 favorite because that would make us sociopaths. Well. <laughs> let's just move on. So let's start at number 10 with a bullet? Question mark. Well, we are married, so why don't we just split everything 50-50? You do five and I'll do five. All right. So do you want to go first, milady? Sure. Well... I think I'll start with the most prolific serial killer, the man who is more mythos than, well, man. I'm going to go with... Michael Douglas. No. 
I'm going to go with Jack the Ripper. He only killed five people, but still the legend lives on. And the th most important thing about serial killers is that the good ones don't get caught. And as of today, his identity still remains a mystery. And he was really great with the ladies. Yeah, if you mean slicing and dicing. Yeah, and by ladies, I mean ladies of the evening. Okay, moving on. Um, also, the mythos with Jack the Ripper is how he is so prolific in not just history, but also folklore and popular culture. Yep, movies, television, you name it, he's in it. Uh, Mag Barry's character on What We Do in the Shadows claims that he is Jack the Ripper. Does he? Yeah, Laszlo says he's Jack the Ripper. We should watch it again for the third time. <laughs> yes. Also, in one of my favorite characters in all of comic book history, uh, Jim Gordon in Gotham by Gaslight was, in fact, yep. Jack the Ripper. <laughs> so, yeah, he is one sick fucker. Yep. Uh, so, my bottom dweller, because this is technically a top 10, even though we're doing a top five. My my number five or number 10 or number nine, how you look at it, is the Zodiac Killer. Ooh, good one. I, I all of my choices are based after films about serial killers. Well, that does make sense. Because if you're unfamiliar with our podcast, we just do nostalgia movies and television. So Zodiac, I got into... Uh, like almost a criminal investigation style obsession with him after I oh, saw. Did you also have like all the pictures with the strings and? Yeah, I went full Jake Gyllenhaal because of the movie Zodiac. I became obsessed with the Zodiac killer because mm. I needed to know because they never gave you. Nope, and we never. It's assumed it's, it's Arthur Lee Allen. Yeah. But as you said before, the greats never get cut. Yep. And let's stop referring to them as the greats or we're going to end up on a I list. Know, we're terrible people. Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned the Zodiac Killer because that is my number four. Really? Really. Uh, pretty much for the same reasons you stated. The fact that he was never caught. Um, there are some people out there who were accused of being the Zodiac Killer, but it was never determined. And um, yeah, I mean... Didn't, didn't you mean, we got a great movie out of it? What well, can I we, say? We did, but during this time, didn't they? Um, yeah, they they definitely based Dirty Harry after Dave Toski, who was the detective who was hot on the trail. Did they? Yes, they did, and they even showed it in the movie. Oh, yeah, I did not so, know that. So, out of this horrible thing came. Uh, Clint Eastwood's most famous role <laughs> which is really dark Interesting. and sick <laughs> so my next choice is the son of Sam Killer okay uh, David Berkowitz mm -hmm. because he looks like the pizza guy who ate the pizza this is true uh, and this is because I saw the movie Summer of Sam Oh, I thought you were going to say Mindhunter. Well, yes, Mindhunter 2, which I can't talk about that because it's very terrifying how they found someone who looked like him. They get a lot of people that look like the real serial killers. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like serial killers. And uh, and yet here we are making here we a are list. Doing what they call a favor. I You already made that joke. Damn it. So 
Anyways, Berkowitz. Is uh, it really a favor if we do it? No, I think we're actually bringing down their podcast. Oh, that's a shame. But I, it was terrifying. What scares me the most about uh, David Berkowitz was the fact that he claimed that it was like insanity and he was the devil the devil and he was going crazy and then basically that's what they based the characters in primal fear after okay that nope i was fine the whole time i just did it because i wanted to yep and that's what scares me about him and that's why he's on this list mm-hmm. we should call it our mind hunter list oh i like that dibs on tench oh, damn it <laughs> so, so close <laughs> you're number three Mm. Uh, my number three has got to be a little lady by the name of Belle Gunnis. That's right, the Norwegian nightmare, Hell's Princess, and never America's first black widow luring men to her farm where she murdered them. Oh, I thought she was part of the MCU. Oh, well... I certainly built her up like that, didn't I? Yeah, you said Black Widow. <laughs> so I have no idea who this woman is. She, again, she was one of like America's very first serial killers. Like our very, very first famous Black Widow. I thought you were about to say America's sweetheart. <laughs> Anywhoozle. Well, she, I mean, I'm sure many men thought that. That's why so many uh, came to her farm. Yeah. That is creepy. Unfortunately, as you see in that picture there, she is not the looker. <laughs> yeah, she has that those B. Arthur good looks. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but she is estimated to have killed at least 14 people. Ugh. God damn. <laughs> now we're just going down a rabbit hole. Number three for me is a young lady by the name of Eileen Warnos. Yeah, I like it. Charlize Theron. Yep. She's a monster. Moving on. <laughs> I don't That's want... it? That's all you're going to say? Yep. <laughs> I do not want to go deep in there. Yeah. I saw that movie in 2004. That was 15 years ago, and I never want to see it again. Scott and... left that theater changed. I left that theater thinking, thank God I got to see it for free because I worked at the movie theater. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she scares me, and uh, the stuff she did was awful. <laughs> Moving on. Well, Scott, some people f kill for power, some people kill for revenge, other people kill because they like it, and some people do it to create their own line of skincare products, which, in the case of Elizabeth Bathory, my number two, uh, her line consisted of blood, blood, and more blood. Is she who perfume is based on? No, not at all. <laughs> because you see, in the Kingdom of Hungary, where she was a countess, they didn't have a Sephora. So she had to kill approximately uh, about over 650 people to uh, make herself look young and beautiful, or so she believed. Gemma, James, and Andy, we're doing this for you. My number two is America's Sweetheart. That's right. Mr. Tiger Beat himself. Everyone's favorite stud muffin, Mr. Ted Bundy. Uh, 
Jackie. Except for me, because I hate him. I do too. And I, I am so sick of hearing about him. It's so gross that people found him attractive. He killed people. He had a unibrow, like a big ass unibrow. And your number one? My number one is a man by the name of H.H. Holmes. A man who loved killing so much, he built a house just so he could do it better. And uh, so people would go up to the second floor with the hopes of a nice stay and maybe a continental breakfast. But what they got instead was a gas chamber and a grease chute down to the basement where lie in wait were lots of torture devices all designed to reduce, reuse, and recycle their skeletons, which were sold to medical schools. And my final choice is Mr. Dennis Rader, also known as the BTK killer, also known as Bind Torch Kill, also known as... Ugh. Yeah. He uh, did not contain multitudes, as evidenced by his name. Three things, people. He uh, is disgusting, and it's gross that he didn't get caught until 2005. What? He did not get caught until 2005. I had to look it up. Oh, boy. Uh, I took a look. It was in a book, and it was a reading nightmare. Yep. So that does it for us for this segment. Thank you for letting us be or take over your podcast. Thanks, Gemma. Thanks, Andy. And thanks, James. We're out of here. Bye. G'day, guys. It's Pies from Bats and Balls podcast, and I've got a story about the backpacker murderer, Ivan Malat. Ivan Malat used to spend a lot of time in southwest Sydney, and my partner, Mrs. Pies, uh, her family had a, a fish and chip shop in southwest Sydney, which Ivan Malat would frequent often. And my partner's father always had a, a weird feeling about this guy. He always thought that he was a bit evil. Whenever he came into the shop, he'd send the girls out the back because he didn't want them to see him and didn't want them to associate with uh, Ivan Malat because... He knew that he was a bad man. It turns out that from the period 1989 to 1993, Malat killed seven backpackers and placed their bodies in the Belangolo State Forest. It's possible that he killed more people, but the only seven were ever found. Malat claims that he's innocent till this day, and this week he's actually been on his deathbed about to die of cancer and still claims his innocence. Most people in Australia believe that he did it, a lot of people think that he had accomplices that have never been found. But Ivan Malat was truly an evil person. And my father-in-law always knew that he was an evil man, even to the point where he sent the girls out the back of the shop so they wouldn't even see him. Hi, this is Shauna. And this is Trisha. And this is Two Girls on a Bench. The podcast. And we are here today to talk about Halloween games. Yes. Thank you, Talking Codswallop and Gemma for having us. Um, so we were talking about Halloween games. Remember as kids, and I could remember bobbing for apples like in the eighties. Yeah, it was a thing. It was a thing, and it was super annoying because you have to mess up your face and well, your hair. And if you don't in have water, a costume that involves your head and face, <laughs> maybe maybe you're wearing like one of those weird uncomfortable masks. I mean, I never was, but I was willing to do it for the apple. I was always willing to do it, too. I don't remember being concerned about my face. Do you remember getting the apple? No. Okay, because here's why. I did not get the apple. I already know why. Because you have to push the apple to the bottom of the bin, 
like get it stable. I did not want to put my head and that then, far in. Well, yeah, that's what you have to do. You yeah. have to go all the way because otherwise, <gasps> if you try and like grab one that's floating in the water, it's never going to stop too moving, slippery. Right? Yeah. Push it to the bottom. Get your teeth into it. That's how you get it. So did you play this a lot? I don't know. I think I just figured it out or maybe somebody told me once. I, I don't know why I know this. Once. And then I remember going to Halloween parties after I was a kid and avoiding the apple blobbing situation at all costs. Yeah, I mean it's not easy. It's like a it's like the hardest of the games. I feel like it's just too messy. It's pretty messy. But do you know what else they don't do anymore? Like no, they don't do anything anymore because kids are scared. But like remember when they used to like peel grapes? And have you like stick your hand and they're like their eyeballs? Yeah, yeah. Remember all that like scary it was, food? And it was like the school carnival. Yeah, it was like school carnival. Or there would be like raw meat and it'd be like brains or whatever. Like no, it was raw meat. <laughs> but I, re- I don't know about that. But I remember the the eyeball thing very distinctly. Huh. And then people would be like, I don't remember it's that. peeled grapes. Like everybody knew what it was, but it was still gross. Yeah. And it was like, oh, and it was like. Pasta. It was like a bunch of spaghetti, oh, yeah, like and there spaghetti were like and intestines, you touch it. yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And you would like touch things, yeah. Which also you would never do now because the germs. I feel like there were like a, a couple ambitious moms that had good Halloween parties where there was stuff like that to do, but it was at school for yeah, me. Maybe, maybe it, it was, was my school. friend's school had like a really good carnival. I remember our gym used to be like sectioned off with like trash bags it would be like a haunted yeah. house or whatever and it would be like that though it'd be like stick your hand in this yeah spaghetti <laughs> and you're all it's everybody or whatever <laughs> yeah everybody with your dirty hands yeah. let's pass some germs disgusting we were all very healthy i don't remember being sick no me either so mm. stick your head in apple bottle stick your hand in some <laughs> grapes and spaghetti and you've got a good halloween all right well happy halloween, happy halloween. to everybody at talking cuts wallop and yeah, That's you can it. find us at Two Girls on a Bench. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hello, we are Penance RPG, an actual play RPG podcast. Tonight, we are discussing the strange and bizarre world of serial killers. Hello, it's me, Bellary. Today, I will be discussing Leonardo Shanshuli, also known as the soap maker of Corriego. AJ? Hi, it's me, AJ. People might know me from Pretending with Dice podcast as well. Today, I'm going to be talking about the weepy-voiced killer, mostly down to that nickname because it's super evocative. And Lenida. Hello, it's Lenida here. I will probably be talking about Stephen Sean Griffiths, also known as the crossbow cannibal, just because they don't know if I actually was a cannibal or that he owned a crossbow. So that sounds kind of interesting. Everything's up for grabs with that guy. And Lenida's just stolen the one I was going to do, because I'm studying <laughs> at the same university as the crossbow cannibal. I was going to say, is this where you come out and say that you are, in fact, the crossbow cannibal? Oh, God, no. <laughs> they had him on CCTV with a crossbow shooting someone in the back. We don't know if he ate them, though. This guy was a PhD student at the University of Bradford. I was studying there, and it was really pretty grim. The woman he shot was a local prostitute. He lived near the red light district. He was later linked to three murders. He'd chopped them up, and the body parts were found in lots of different places. At the time, we were told that his research was comparative policing between modern day to the Yorkshire Ripper. And then he went round and started mm-hmm. killing prostitutes. Damn. Yeah. There were also rumours about there being bite marks. 
before he stood up in court to call himself the crossbow cannibal. I've got friends who have some memory of him having a pet lizard. Funnily enough, he was found guilty because he stood up in court and called himself the crossbow cannibal. I was going to say, that kind of helped the case a lot, really. (laughs) I am the crossbow cannibal. The crossbow cannibal seems like a name people will remember. It's got brand recognition. He was in jail for three years as a youngster for an unprovoked knife attack. Psychiatrists at the time warned that he fantasised about becoming a serial killer. He was in prison again for holding a knife to someone's throat. Police had been watching him by the time he went to Bradford. Not watching him closely enough, though. Well, well, they got in touch with the Housing Association. They fitted better CCTV in anticipation of an incident. Probably five women died because they wanted to catch it on CCTV. When I applied to university, I'm pretty sure it asked me about like criminal convictions and stuff. And I feel like pulling a knife on people would have stopped us going to university. Not at Bradford, though. <laughs> yeah, fair point. <laughs> Let's go back to your pet, Delray. We have Leonardo Sansuli, also known as the soap maker of Correggio, in Italy around World War II. She had like 17 pregnancies, but only four actually survived. So she was a very protective of the ones that were left and was freaked out when a gypsy told her, all your children will die. Which, I mean, that's how life works. Yeah. Interestingly enough, though, she also visited another gypsy, who was all like, I do palm reading. In your right hand, I see prison. And in your left, a criminal asylum. In 39, her eldest son, Giuseppe, went to join the Italian army for the war. She was like, I want to protect this boy, and came to the conclusion that the best way to do so would be with human sacrifices. She killed three older women, the first one who was asking her for advice on how to find a man. She was told, hey, you'll find a man in Apollo, sorry. And before she left, she came to Shenshuli's house and was offered a glass of wine that she had drugged. And then she killed her with an axe, cut her up. There's a little quote from the interviews or whatever. I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap, and stirred the whole mixture until the pieces dissolved in a thick and dark mush that I poured into several buckets and emptied into a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it had coagulated, dried it in the oven, ground it and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk and eggs, as well as a bit of margarine. I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them. Hmm. She was a bit of a fruit basket, and to be fair, she pretty much did the same thing twice later with the other ladies. From the last victim, she ended up in the pot, like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white when it had been melted, added a bottle of cologne, and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make the most acceptable creamy soap. I gave bars to my neighbours and acquaintances. The cakes too were better. That woman was really sweet. Uh, But yeah, she did actually end up in prison and was then sentenced to like two or three years in a criminal asylum, but died before that happened of uh, cerebral apoplexy. Apparently, the pot which the victims were boiled are in display at the Criminological Museum in Rome. I gave the cop a ladle, which I used to skim the fat off the kettles to my country, which was so badly in need of metal during the last days of the war. Wow. My guy, my guy. It, I'm distancing myself <laughs> professionally from him and his activities. <laughs> was known as the weepy-voiced killer because in a series of telephone calls he made to police after each of his attacks anonymously reported his crimes in a remorseful and high-pitched voice. He killed three women in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area in the early 80s. His first victim actually survived, but with a brain injury. He called at 3am directing the police to where she was with, there's a girl hurt there. 
The next one he calls saying, God damn, will you find me? I just stabbed somebody with an ice pick. I can't stop myself. I keep killing somebody. Two days later, he called to say he was sorry for stabbing her and would turn himself in, but then didn't. A few days later, he called again to say newspaper accounts of the murders were inaccurate. His next victim he didn't call after, but he confessed later to that murder. His fourth victim, again, he contacted them. Please don't talk. Just listen. I'm sorry I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Stabbed her by accident 40 times. He did attempt a fifth attack, but she got away. He was later arrested and connected to the crimes. He was diagnosed with skin cancer in 1997, had less than a year to live, and he gave a full confession to the murders he did do. The weird twist of phoning the police after each one. It's pretty messed up. But it almost makes you wonder if it was for the infamy. The weepy voice killer was a character of sorts. Yeah, possibly. Leonardo, who was your serial killer? <laughs> she stole my serial killer, so I was like, Hamilton Howard Albert Fish, born 1870. He was also known as the Grey Man, and the Werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn Vampire, the Moon Maniac, and the Boogeyman. He one time stated his number of victims was about 100. He was suspected of at least five murders during his lifetime, and he confessed to three murders, and he stabbing at least two other people. And he was executed by the electric chair. Made a movie out of it, The Grey Man. He was kind of interesting. He got so many nicknames, I think most probably moved around as well. Yeah, maybe they thought it was different people. I love it though how they mentioned that he was also a bigamist. Yeah, watch out. I hope this was entertaining and not too grim. We tried to keep it lighthearted without being disrespectful. Enjoy the rest of the show. Attempt three to get us on to something a little bit more scary. Um, although actually the conversation has been quite good, so I quite enjoy it. But, um, so serial killers, not the packaged ones that, you know, come in a box and you add milk, but the ones that are, oh, shit. what? Not the serial ones. Cause I've got yeah. snap, crackle and pop. Oh, poor. Andy had written his entire <laughs> thesis on. Yeah. Oh, you should, you should see the paragraph I wrote on Tony the Tiger. <laughs> What, you wrote it on him? I, well, I wrote mine on Count Jocula. Oh. You know, vampiric, <laughs> living dead. Yeah. And didn't um, D- uh, Warwick Davis play the um, Lucky Charms? <laughs> oh, God. oh, my God. Oh, oh, oh. Dude, no. <laughs> Andy, that's so staying in. <laughs> he did. He played Leprechaun, didn't he? He'd, yeah, he was in the Leprechaun films. You're right, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm not disabled. <laughs> So serial killers. Who wants to go first? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Um, Andy, would you like to go first? Sure, yes. Um... God, that's the most enthusiastic I've heard you for ages, Andy. It's my my turn to talk. Oh, really? Your time to talk? (laughs) Can't wait to edit this and find out how much you've been talking. (laughs) I think you find it's only been about 30 seconds. Oh, right. (laughs) Maybe I should have let Sean go first. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, guess first. Okay, Sean, did you want to go first? (laughs) So we can actually hear your voice. Or if you if we're putting on your spot, Andy can go first. Um, well, if Andy wants to go first, he can go first. 
Because I know you, you've done your prep, haven't you? <laughs> I have. I've, yeah. I've, I've gone right back. Okay. I thought, I, I'm not taking the risk of a double bubble. I know we were supposed to share our content, but I'm an only child. I don't do sharing. <laughs> <laughs> so I've taken us way back, way, 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 way back before the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Ooh. I'm not religious. I'm just saying that for the religious folks. Yep. So okay. I'm kicking off in uh, the year 144 to 116 BC. And this was a prince uh, uh, China. So his name was uh, Louis Peng Li, uh, who was uh, alive during the reign of Emperor Ying, who was his uncle. Okay. So apparently what he used to do, he used to get his slaves and hobby boys, I'm going to call them. And um, he thought he had a bit of a license to kill being a, a prince. Hmm. And um, he would basically rove around the countryside, slaughtering villages in their hundreds. Oh, my goodness. Oh, sorry. No, he murdered over 100 people. So, you know, in his little reign of terror, mm. 10 years, he, he, he racked up quite a body count. Now, he thought being the you know, the nephew of, of an uncle, he, he could do this with impunity. Mm-hmm. Now, one of his little hobby boys uh, grasped him up and the emperor was told, no, he's got to be put to death. He's got to be put to death. Uh, but he spared his life and basically banished him um, to what is now the um, Hubei province in Shuzhan County. So, yeah, that's what I'm kicking off with. And what happened to him when he'd been banished? Did he just live out his days and then yeah. natural causes? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Probably doing more the same, but out of out of out of our shot. Hmm. Yeah. So when no one could control them. Yep. And then I'm going to skip forward because um, obviously this is going way back into the annals of time, so I can't Sorry. really give. You... I started giggling then because I could imagine you like skipping with a basket, like a la 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 la. la. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know we on. don't talk about those days because that's when I had hair and could have a ponytail. <laughs> I can't have that anymore. We could always get you a wig. Yeah. They itch, unless Sean can give me top tips. Grow your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd have, to, have to do a Rooney, get some plugs. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to skip forward now to 54 to 55. Um, oh, no, sorry, wrong wrong one. Me, 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 back up. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's right. Yep, it was uh, a one-year reign of terror. Okay. And this is the first actual recorded female serial killer now girl power (laughs) this is a bit of a contentious one because slightly earlier on in in history there was a a group of women um in 331 bc uh, a group of matrons um who basically poisoned people um now they were arrested and they were claimed no 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 these are medicinal uh we can prove it and uh, they drank it and died immediately. <laughs> there was a total of 170 uh, people arrested. Ooh. So it was a wider group. So it's not, not really in the spirit of what was asked of serial killers. So I'm, I'm assuming you just meant killer. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, it's kind of inter- it can be interpreted in any way that you do. Oh, you didn't tell, tell me this was an interpretive dance routine. <laughs> it's the killer yeah. killer night <laughs> palm and <a> hurricane 
God. <laughs> With my ballet flats on. Anyway, so back on track. So <laughs> No, it's all right. We can have a bit of laughter in between so it's not too intense for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't expect anything less. So, so this one is the first female serial killer in Western history. So she lived in Rome, as I said, um, and her little reign of terror was between 54 and 55 BC with a body count of only sub 10. Mm. So, you know, we're not in the the 100 plus of uh, Mm. our little friend from China. But I think a serial killer is any more than three, I think, isn't it? Or something like that. I'll take that. Yeah. So I've executed the brief. Thanks, boss. <laughs> so, so she worked on behalf of Emperor Nero, um, and she was a botanist uh, and uses like the chemistry to basically induce heart attacks, um, both for fun and for profit. Oh my goodness! She uh, reportedly took part in the assassinations of Claudius and Britannicus um, while she was under em- Emperor Nero. Do we know who they are, or? I'm sure the the readers could do their research. I didn't go too far down that rabbit hole. Okay. So you, everybody who's listening to this, you're now a reader, okay? <laughs> yeah. A reader and a listener. Do you know what? That, that's me listening to uh, Frank Skinner's podcast where he refers everyone as readers. I'm so sorry for stealing someone else's content. <laughs> that's all right. He says reading media and what else? <laughs> Ancientorigins.net. That's all right, Andy. Stop the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This week we're sponsored by... (laughs) No one. (laughs) La Costa of Gaul. So she was the first female serial killer in Western history. And yeah, so she was Emperor Nero's favourite. She was uh, executed by his successor, um, Galba. So that was a bit of house cleaning there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought, just to sort of bring things closer to home, I thought I'd talk about the Witch of Kilkenny very briefly. Okay. Ooh. Now I know nothing about this, the, the Witch of Kilkenny, so... Yeah. So her little reign of terror of three to four um, was between the years years of our Lord, 1302 to 1324. Okay. Is that around the time that the witch trials and stuff like that were going on, or was that way before? Yes, it was. She was prosecuted in the first modern witch trial of the oh. British Isles. Okay. Oh, yes. So it's estimated that um, during that time, it was 300,000 witches were tortured, burnt, or hanged in medieval Europe. Uh, so, you know, no secret that the vast majority of those were innocent women. Um, however, Alice Keitzler, uh, a Norman noblewoman, um, definitely wasn't innocent. So she was prosecuted in the first modern witch trial in the British Isles back in 1324 uh, for the alleged poisoning of her four husbands, heresy Mm. and witchcraft. Um, Now, she actually escaped um, her fate. Uh, She fled to England uh, before she was arrested, um, but not really sure what happened to her. However, her servant, not so lucky, uh, basically had to take her punishment in her place. Uh, he was arrested, tortured, mercilessly, mer- tortured mercilessly, and burned at the stake. Oof. Well, someone's got to pay for it, I guess. So, yeah. yeah, and it's, it's always us working people, isn't it, James? Yeah. <laughs> James doesn't work. <laughs> no, I don't work. And according to Gemma, I'm a lord, so unfortunately yeah. you're taking the rap for me, Andy. So. I'm sorry, boss. I'm sorry. Yeah. It won't happen again, boss. <laughs> yeah, I'll build, we're going to build the wooden effigy and put you in it just like in um, <laughs> The Wicker Man. <laughs> 
but that you know, like burning on the stake and stuff like that you know all those witch trials and you know like all the punishments and the mm. you know, how they were killed and stuff like that it had to be awful but yeah i can't imagine like ever being burnt to death you know I mean, I'd never want to imagine it. I'm never going to, ha- it's never going to happen to me, touch wood. You know what I mean? Well, but, you would hope you not. Know, it's still, you know, like, can you imagine, like, as you stood there, you can feel the heat, but then you feel it, seeing the flames sort of thing. And it's like, yeah. 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 And all your skin starts bubbling off. Aside from drowning, that's the worst way to go. To yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. And they did that to witches as well, didn't they? Yeah. They dunked them, didn't they? Oh, way to bring the tone down, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were quite bubbly up to that point. Uh, oh, my bad, because I brought out witches. <laughs> no. Oh, I've got I've got one fuck up to tell you. This one made me giggle when I saw it. Okay. Oh, fuck up murder. This is my last last one for sure. Okay. So this is America's first sort of famous, I guess. He's, he's attributed to being the first um, U.S. Um, serial killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Burke, I think it was. Oh no, wrong one. Uh, wrong one. I was gonna say, wasn't that Burke and Hare? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, oh man, this can't remember whereabouts on the page it was. Uh, it's all right. Just take your time. Basically, this guy, ah, uh, H. H. Holmes. Oh yes, I've heard of him. Yeah, I oh, know. Maybe it wasn't him because it wasn't underneath it. Basically, there's there's one guy who was um, was a bit of a serial killer. Um, a bit of a serial a killer. A bit, a bit. You know, <laughs> Get, gets himself banged up abroad, escapes, and his co-conspirator was also on the on the lam, and um, there was a bounty on his head. So he caught his friend, handed him in, and then was promptly arrested and hung himself. What? Yeah. You can't write this shit, man. You can't make it up. No. no. Blatantly, I am, because I can't find the, the, the piece on it. <laughs> no, that's all right, but I think you, you covered the gist of it, so... Uh. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. What an idiot. Oh, damn it. That must have been on my first pass scanning, but yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, that you you told the, the important parts of that guy anyway. I gave you, you? high-level details. <laughs> yeah. You did. <laughs> and... Sean, did you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. Um, I've only got one. That's fine. So, and he's greedy. He likes to bring more to yeah. the show. It's it's all about you know the quality, not the numerous number of serial killers. <laughs> Says he who's got two. <laughs> maybe. maybe you know. Anyway, Sean, this is your time to speak. So go for it. Um, I I thought I'd bring up Sweeney Todd. That's really good. No, he's. Disputed not to have been real, but never mind. Um, but I like the story of it, and I like to believe that there was someone out there that led people into a barber shop, uh, gave them a good shave or a haircut, and then proceeded to slice the throat, uh, and then would pull a lever and send the corpse down into a cellar yeah. where one of his co-conspirators would then make up the corpse into a pie and sell it in her pie shop. Which... <laughs> when you put it like that, it's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> no one would believe it. <laughs> but I, I've, ju- I've just been fascinated by the fact that after the, after the first few, you think you're cotton on 
but still, people did go to that barber shop and get yeah. the shave. Um, maybe it's like one of those Jack the Ripper things where you know the identity was disputed. Mm. The the perpetrator was passed on from person to person to person. Mm. I've actually been reading Agatha Christie at the moment, so oh, right. uh, that's not very dark. No, that's okay. But no. Yeah, you're you're right with what you said as well, because it's like you know the people would go into the the barber shop, <laughs> nobody would return a come yeah. out. <laughs> people would still go, and they wouldn't question whether you know I haven't seen Steve anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> In this small strip of shops, you know, we're all very local. So should, should we go grab a pie while we're waiting for Steve? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you remember that tattoo that Steve had? <laughs> well, it's, it's really funny because the meat in this pie has got the same tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do say human flesh tastes like pork, so... Mm. Yeah. Must have been like, you know, an early version of what they do in Costa now, on top of a coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've really brightened my day with this cobra on my pie yeah. <laughs> oh look we've got half a swallow well to be fair in starbucks they do put your name on the cup so yeah <laughs> it's the fred pie <laughs> mum i'm not yeah. mum <laughs> oh well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take the the pork knuckle pie please yeah oh look they put love oh and yeah. hate. Ooh, and there's a ring in this one. <laughs> yeah. A bit stingy on the on the meat on that. Why is this pie giving me a thumbs up? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that one with the. Oh no, that's not a bird. Yeah. <laughs> if you click on that thumbnail, no, yeah. take it out the pie. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, miss. There's a hair in my pie. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean an animal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know I said game pie, but that's just taking the fucking piss. Yeah. So, do we think t- uh, Sweeney Todd may have been a real person, but the crimes attributed weren't as necessarily as bad? And maybe it was just one person who owed him money who got his throat cut, and the only way he could dispose of the body was to sell it to the pie shop. Yeah, I, I don't think he was real. But... No. There was, there's definitely been one crime where it's been similar to that and it's been inspired to, like, infiltrate the story. Yeah. But Am I right in saying that there's been a modern version of that IRL um, somewhere up north, I want to say, where somebody murdered someone's daughter and was alleged to have basically sold her as kebab meat? Ooh. I've heard that story myself, yeah. I haven't. Um, <laughs> They believe it was a young girl, wasn't it? I think she yeah. was killed. Um, and there might have been some sexual element in it as well. Ugh. They've never been able to find a body or find proof. But the, there was this suspicion, I think, from the mother, wasn't there, that she'd been sort of killed and turned into food. So it's strange. It, the, you know, there could be some truth to it. You never know. It's a bit like um, there was always this. It just, it's, a, it's a complete, you know, piece of fiction but the story of a woman she bashes her husband over the head with a frozen leg of lamb defrosts it cooks it and when the police come she says oh i made a dinner for my husband sort of thing i made this huge dinner you know can can we eat this you know because i don't want it to go to waste and she basically gets away with murder 
because they can't identify what the person's been killed with, who's killed them, and the police sit down to the meal with her. <laughs> That's, um, oh my god. I actually do remember that because we read that in English. Yes, that's how I, that's what I remember it from. Is it Roald Dahl? It's something like that, yeah. But it was an English class, yeah. Oh, that does sound a bit Roald Dahlish, doesn't it? Yeah, like the twits or something. Yeah, the twits. It, is it very interesting? The thing of you know, could Sweeney Todd have some sort of uh, foundation in in a reality? What's happened? Events like this have like recent years, haven't they? Have, as you've just said. And I think something like this, it always inspires yeah. some kind of event similar to that. And also, if it's now you've said it was the mum saying that, this is just a, this now kind of now flicked into, oh no, she's just throwing mud at the wall. Yeah. Because she can't, understandable though, because her daughter's dead and she's pre searching for any sort of, yeah. you know, ability to sort of process what's happened. But yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if at some point, because if you think about the way talking about serial killers, if you look at like you know Haig when he killed people in acid baths, you know you wouldn't have thought of that as a as a way that someone would dispose of a body. Yeah. Mm. But he was you know put them in full vats, wasn't he? Just letting them melt down. Yeah. As far as they would go, I think it was Haig, wasn't it, who did that? Uh, the acid bath killings. Or if you've seen Snatch, you just get some hungry pigs. <laughs> uh, I've not seen Snatch actually, so that's uh, that's not something I know of. But they did. They did something similar. Was it Red Dragon? No, her Hannibal, wasn't it? Where they're trying to feed the person to uh, um, boars. Yeah, well, in in Snatch, throw to the fucking pigs, Harold. Uh, they they start they they keep these uh, pigs hungry, and pigs will just eat her entire body, bones and all. Yeah, yeah. So I can believe people that. say, oh, you know, you always the, the trope is, oh, I've starved these dogs. Yeah, the dogs will eat the bones, but they really just crunch and get the marrow out. They don't really consume the entire bone. Whereas a pig would see fucking everything. Mm. My mum's boyfriend is a farmer and mm-hmm. he, well, I mean, he's never fed a person to uh, a pig or anything, but you know, like he obviously deals with pigs every day and he, he, he could definitely say that that would all be true. Yeah. Cause say, have you seen Snatch, Jim? I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what you got to do is Google Snatch Wars because they've got that scene where Princess Leia bumps into Darth Vader on the Death Star, but they've clipped it in with um the sound the you know the the audio from Snatch and it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> that sounds like something you would find on a porn site though, doesn't it? Snatch yeah. Wars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, Sweetie Todd is yeah, definitely a good one. Yeah, because even if it was based on a real person or if it's a fictional person, then it's still relevant though because it's it's still a serial killer of sorts isn't it so you can't kill an idea can you definitely not but the scary thing is though if it is a made-up thing how messed up that writer who wrote (laughs) do you think he was just a raging alcoholic probably he just used to come home every night bite into a pie and go do you know what i want to kill that butcher <laughs> I never thought of that one. I like that show. Not only have I got a shitty pie, he's fucking taking too much off the back. I said I yeah. only wanted an inch. <laughs> <laughs> now I look like fucking Baldrick. <laughs> oh, I love I love the fact that we're sat here talking about serial killers and we've done nothing but laugh. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. As either we are so messed up or <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Like, why aren't we taking this seriously? Because <laughs> we're the Talking Cods Wallet podcast and that's what we yeah. don't do. <laughs> and our listeners expect nothing less. No. Or nothing more, in fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember, our listeners love the fuck-ups, so it's all part of listening to this show. We haven't got any Gemma dumb fuck-ups yet, but I'm sure they will be coming soon. Oh, no, there was. Ooh. Was there? What did I say? Yeah, but your pronunciation of cereal at one point. <laughs> Bloody hell, man. <laughs> oh, did I say that? Did I? I yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's why I came with a pod. Oh, okay. Well, I've got a slight lisp, guys. <laughs> Yeah, don't mock the afflicted. <laughs> All right, well, good. Well, that'll that'll be a best of clip in the future. <laughs> I'll really listen back to it. Going, oh god, he's right. I did. So, who wants to go next, James? Gemma. Yeah, you want me to go next? Yes, please. Okay, right. I have done it like the nineteen nineties. I've printed stuff out. So, how many trees? No rustling. It's recycled paper, so it's all good. I'm happy. And there may be rustling, but it's okay. <laughs> so with my guy or or lady, because it's not identified as whether it is a male or female. <laughs> 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 this is the first person who actually was non-gender specific. Okay. But are you going to assign them a gender pronoun for the purpose of this recounting? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they... <laughs> they <Them yeah>. it <laughs> i've sort of touched upon sort of getting into a time you know if there was ever the opportunity to have a time machine this is the person that i would go back in time to try and work out who it is and from that hopefully you guys know that my guy is i keep saying i'm a guy because it's jack the ripper Ooh. yes for three months in 1888, fear and panic stalked the streets of London in the East End. During these months, five women were murdered and horribly mutilated by a man who became known as Jack the Ripper. Although some believe the true number to have been 11 people, so 11 women. <laughs> Whitechapel is kind of renowned to being an overpopulated area at this time, but also it's obviously highly populated with prostitutes and Jack the Ripper chose them as the victim. And it's, it's, you know, there's kind of stories that have been said about him that are, you know, he would give the prostitutes, the, or the ladies of the night, as they were called in those days, they were given like grapes and they were given like a specific like drink like wine or something like along those lines because it was something that was absolutely luxurious and they couldn't get hold of mm -hmm. so it would kind of give the impression that this man was very wealthy so obviously the ladies would go to him mm -hmm. because he was wealthy and they were hoping obviously they would get good money this all started on the 31st of august when the body of marianne nichols who was actually 42, was found dead with her face bruised. Her throat had been slashed twice. Her stomach had been hacked open and slashed several times. She was the first of Ripper's victims. Then the next one was a lady called Annie Chapman, 
who was 47. Actually, that's quite old age. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it would be for them. Yeah, in those, in those days, actually, that's quite an old age, isn't it? Because like, they never really lived past like 50s, 60s in those days, did they? Well, you've got to also think that these women were being incredibly impoverished. So, yeah, to have got into the 40s would be quite an amazing feat, actually. Mm. Yeah. So they were they were walking around. I'm going to make it a little bit more lighthearted at the moment, but they were walking around feeling proud because they were like getting towards their fifties and they were still alive. Poor bastards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the shit really hit the fan though, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on who their clientele were, really. Yeah. Because if if mm. their clientele was the higher high end of the market. They wouldn't be living the life of luxury, but they would be living a lot better life than the, the prostitutes who serve the common. Yeah. Which could explain why she lived to a, an older age, because she could afford the uh, the lifestyle that would keep her semi-healthy. Mm. Mm. But I, th- I think, to be honest, most of them were living pretty horrendous you know, lives. The, the, In and out of the workhouses. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the, the their clients would have been... No, we're not talking like nice client base. But well, from my understanding of the Jack the Ripper case, the women in question, the the the, the area of Whitechapel was, as Gemma said, like a truly horrendous sort of area. And that we're not talking about women, as you you know, who generally the the big thing you hit on was you were saying about they were supposed to be given these sort of niceties by a rich man because yeah, client base they would have had the area they were living, the fact they went in and out of the workhouse or living in these really squalid areas or were getting battered census by some of them who were married you know they were we're not talking like nice this isn't pretty woman in the victorian era no definitely not so the second victim of uh, jack the ripper was on the 8th of september and her name was annie chapman so she was the 47 year old prostitute her body was found in a passageway behind 29 hanbury street a few possessions laid out next to her body. Her head was almost severed off again. Mm-hmm. Her stomach was torn open and pulled apart. Sections of skin from the stomach lay on her left shoulder. Oh, God. And on the right shoulder, a mass of intestines. Mm. Oh, God. Was that the one that was done inside in a building? Um, It was behind a building. It was right, a passageway right. behind yeah. 29 Hanbury Street. The If you think that that's bad, the next little bit is not great either. So part of mm. her vagina and bladder had been carved out and taken away. So at this point, they probably had thought that he was actually collecting body parts sort of thing, really. Mm. Almost like souvenirs. Mm-hmm. They were. Because I know they, they always said they, they thought he was a doctor and it was the king's doctor. They, they always said, but it did. I've never really listened to anything on Jack, Jack the Ripper, but mm-hmm. everything you're describing sounds like someone trying to understand human anatomy, just taking random parts of the body to look at. Yeah, because that is part of the mystery, isn't it? Because they weren't sure, you know, like there's rumours that it was the Queen's doctor or the Prince's doctor, who, whichever is in reign at the time. You also had... Well, he would he would write up um, on like walls or whatever next to the victims a lot of Jewish sayings. Um, so it was kind of because in the in those times, you know, it was very um, there was a war between sort of the Christians and the Jewish people. So obviously that's kind of still something that goes on today, but very not quite as much. But yeah, so it was kind of trying to point the finger 
at the Jewish people mm-hmm. and that, you know, they had done this deed basically. There's also signs that it could possibly be the prince as well, because I think he bedded a prostitute and then it was, there was some reason that basically I think he had like syphilis or something like that and it made him go crazy. Cause I was going to say, cause it, the first thing I thought of when you started describing it was like, oh, geez, this sounds like someone got uh, an STI and uh, got a bit yeah. pissed about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, with the Jewish conspiracy, where that came from is that written on one of the walls was the comment, the Jews uh, will not be blamed for nothing. But it wasn't sort of written as we would spell Jews. I think it was J-U-W-E-S. Uh, yeah. And that was something that was sort of written down, but very quickly removed as uh, as evidence because there was a concern that basically it would create really awful feelings and uh, and problems within the Jewish population and within the other people in the area. But there was also like uh, one of the things you were sort of saying about these these views of who could have done it. Could it have been like the the Queen's daughter? I think it was William Gull. Uh, could it have been somebody who linked into the Prince of Wales uh, at the time? Um, and then it, there were other things that were tied in where there were discussions about what did it have any involvement with Freemasonry and things like that. It's yeah. So anyway, these killings continued on as much as I want to pay respect to obviously the women there. You know, you can you can find this information on various sites, but there was at least five women who were killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it said at the very beginning, there was it. Potentially eleven, it actually turned out to be. So the question now rises: is like, who was Jack the Ripper? And I think that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to discuss him was because it is an absolute mystery, even to these days. Mm-hmm. That it's who is it? You know, who was it? Sorry, because obviously still not alive now. But you know, will it ever be? Will it ever be finally discovered? Or is it going to be one of life's mysteries that is just going to go under undercover? I think it's going to end up as a as a legend. Yeah, yeah. totally. Don't so, think forensic yeah. technology will ever be able to solve it because there is nothing that I, from my ignorant understanding, there's absolutely nothing that they can look at from those scenes. Nothing's been preserved yeah. other than the bones in the ground. Yeah. You might have some of the things, because one of the, the, uh, the things that happened with the Jack the Ripper case is the lots of outlandish theories came out. So the thing like the William Gull theory. At one stage it was considered, could it be the, the, the painter Walter Sickett? Well, most of this stuff has been proven not to, you know, there's there's no basis for this. A lot of these outlandish ideas. Um, and as you were sort of saying, the problem is it will go into legend because there were no... There's, there's no sort of evidence that can be looked at. There's no sort of DNA evidence that can be looked at. Now, allegedly, there are still some things locked away in files um, that have a certain lifespan until we're allowed to see them under, say, the official secrets act, things like that. But mm. it was the thing with the Jed the Ripper case is, is the ferocity of a lot of these, uh, a lot of these killings. You know, how would nobody um, have heard things happening? How would people not have seen things? Now, people did see little bits of stuff, as my understanding when I've researched it myself in the past. People might sort of heard noise, heard shouting, heard screaming. But I know one of the final killings, and you might be able to help me on this, Jim, because I can't for life remember who it was, where one one of the prostitutes was absolutely butchered down to the bone. I'm just looking very quickly. Yeah, that was actually done in someone's house. 
So it was the the last sort of killing they really attribute to Jack the Ripper, which is a lady where she basically, if you ever see the pictures of it, as the quality isn't great, but I mean, she was basically taken apart, her entire face was taken off, her innards were taken out, sort of thrown all over the place. On the final one, they, they attribute to Jack the Ripper, he took his time, basically, and absolutely butchered this woman. Jeez. I mean, you've got to have a strong yeah. constitution to do that. Yeah. I so, think that... Oh, sorry. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut in there. But I think that was possibly Mary Jeanette Kelly, who was Mary, the youngest. Yeah. Of, yeah, was the youngest of the women that he murdered, which was only twenty-five years old, and uh, and also a very attractive girl. She was found in her room at Miller's Court, yeah. which ran off Dorset Street. I'm sorry, on behalf of everybody, I'm from Dorset, but now Devol Street. Mary, or what was left of her, was lying on the bed. The scene in the room was appalling. The rent collector who found her said, I shall be haunted by this for the rest of my life. Mary's throat had been cut, her nose and breasts cut off and dumped on a table. Her entrails were draped over a picture frame. The body had been skinned and gutted. Her heart laid on the table. Everything just smacks of a rejected individual. I mean, we're talking about the elephant man who couldn't even get laid by a prostitute. <laughs> Those yeah. ones are theory about the elephant man. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not a crime of passion, it's a crime of hatred. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's pure hate in everything that they're doing. It sounds like someone's... You need to go back and, and find out who gets rejected, Gem, when you get your time machine. Yeah. Yeah. I do need that time machine. Come on, people. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Doc Brown. Why didn't they do that in Back to the Future? Oh, can you imagine? Well, it wouldn't be a comedy anymore, would it? Yeah. Well, although <laughs> this is being discussed on a comedy podcast. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just like... I don't know. I, I've still got... From the things that I've picked up throughout the years, because like I have been, it sounds weird to say fascinated by this one, but I am fascinated by it. Morbid curiosity. Yeah, mm. and the mystery behind it all and everything. But it is the fact that it, because the cuts were so perfect, like they were going for the right area and whatnot for whatever they need, whatever he was taking out, it did strike the fact that he is actually like a medical person. So mm. a doctor or, uh, you know, anything in the medical sort of background. And some did suggest a butcher, though, because, you know, you have to have an but, idea of anatomy. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Because, like, I wouldn't know if I ever was to do this, which I never, ever would. I wouldn't know where to cut in the stomach to get the intestines or whatever do you know what i mean yeah not not straight away there would be a couple of cuts before her. especially in the 1800s where you don't have the lady book bird of anatomy yeah exactly well, you've also got to think whoever was doing this it's going to be dark more than likely you know you, you if say you were in an area with lighting you're not talking bright lighting you're talking no. gaslight which is not horrendous but it wouldn't be brilliant the level of lighting if you even if you're in an alleyway you're still going to have that fear of someone walking yeah. upon you so you're going to be acting in haste mm. that's what i was going to say your time frame to kill and butcher somebody's going to be incredibly short mm. it also begs the question could it be more than one person definitely could have could have been like a sort of mini cult of people or whatever mm. but i did also look up as well because it's also a mystery on why did the murder stop all mm. of a sudden so 
I also did uh, have a look to see because there's many theories that were put forward to answer this question. The most popular are that there were too many police officers and informants on patrol because obviously after the first couple of uh, murders, it, you know, it really, there were a lot of police were sort of monitoring the streets a lot more than they ever were beforehand. He was locked up for another crime. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that Jack the Ripper could have placed, uh, been placed in prison for an unrelated crime or possibly in asylum by family members fearing for his own sanity. That was also the case of another serial killer, the Boston Strangler. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, who, after committing 13 murders, was arrested for rape and sexual assault. Oh, God. It wouldn't be until later, whilst in prison, that he confessed to a cellmate about who he really was. So that's the Boston Strangler. Mm. Were we still shipping people off to Australia in that time frame? Because they could have also been um, exiled for another crime. Could have been. I'm not sure, though. I'm not sure. But that is definitely a possibility as well. Were they um, a a medic in the army and off fighting Napoleon? Yeah, maybe. Or defending the empire. Yeah, I just think there was so much going on in the Mm. 1800s. You know, know, you've, you've got the workhouses, you've got the crime, you've got people being exiled, you've got people leaving to go to the US to make new lives for themselves. We're at war. Mm. There was so much going on that, yeah, they could quite easily just disappear or maybe were murdered, as you say. Mm. Yeah, or, yeah, there was another two as well, which is um, the third one is he died. In the east end of London, life was short. Disease and malnutrition were rife. Many people were homeless and some were alcoholics. So most of the prostitutes were alcoholics, I believe, as well. Um, living in a poor day-to-day existence in the slums of Whitechapel. Had the Ripper been from the same social class as his unfortunate victims, then dying at a fairly young age was not uncommon. And then the final thing as well was that he was almost caught. A theory that has become increasingly popular due to the modern criminal profiling suggests that Jack the Ripper may have stopped killing because he came close to capture. Such a scare may have brought home how lucky he was, or faced with the near captivity, he may have been aware that the police were on him, so he decided to keep a low profile. It's unknown if the police ever had their sights on one man and tried their best to nail him for the crimes, but lacked the evidence to do so. If they did, then the records have not survived to tell us. Perhaps in time, some new evidence will emerge from the hidden vaults of Scotland Yard, which will shed new light on why the most infamous serial killer suddenly vanished into the shadows forever. The end. What do you reckon, Sean? Can you bring any theories forth? I'm with Gemma's and uh, Andy's theory that it's got to be someone that was had some some knowledge of anatomy certainly mm-hmm. to be so precise mm-hmm. and as you say when he did that last killing and he particularly had removed the nose and put it on the table and things like that and strewn about all the organs it's obviously someone who was making a study of the mm-hmm. human body or complete attack of rage as opposed to um 
as opposed to a precise thing, but you can't deny org- certain organs were taken out, you know, the intestines, mm. um, the skin and things like that. It's almost almost kind of a, a fetish thing. Yeah. yeah. He sort of maybe had a thing for this, that and the other, and then his rage kind of overtook him, or they, as you say, we don't know. Mm. Uh, but I think... I most likely because because of the conditions over there, he probably they probably succumb succumb to disease or were shipped off to a penal colony. We don't know. Yeah, it's it's like trying to tidy up sand off the beach. There's just so yeah. much mm. to, to choose. It's difficult. I mm. I do like to the theory that it was it wasn't just one person. Mm. Maybe that could be the name of a group, Jack the Ripper. We are Jack the Ripper, and um, maybe. They drew lots to say, you know, you're gonna, we're gonna yeah. go down and could it be gang related. It could part it of the turf war. This is sending a message, mm. and then maybe they just got so overwhelmed, we thought we'll have to stop. Or as you say, various people were just arrested for different crimes. Yeah. Maybe they thought one, if one of the groups gone, they couldn't feel like they could go through with it. Mm. Maybe I'm maybe. talking gibberish, but. No, no that, that's kind of taking me down a path of you know was this a gang a, a gang fight and basically after the fifth one the bosses got together and it's like yeah all right terry you can have this territory i'll back away mm. possible and then everyone just melted back into the normal status quo because the the code is you never grass anyone up even if they're from the other side do, do you think they were they, they were pulled back by the thing of um it's you know it's not an English thing to do. You can do so much, and then they go, "Oh no, that's not that's not yeah. cricket." I know that sounds ridiculous. That's... No, but there is a code, isn't there? You could be right. You could be right. They always say there's a code amongst criminals and people, don't they? If things they they're not supposed to do. Certainly, in the mafia, they say that there are certain things you are not meant to do. Mm, yeah, that's food for thought. Mm. Well, the other thing that I thought about as well is because I'm not sure timing wise if this kind of does match but then you've got the other side of things in scotland you've got burke and Hare, um which nobody's picked them have they no no, no? okay cool the story of burke and Hare is is obviously that they killed people but it was so that doctors could have real bodies to actually work on that were mm-hmm. fresh that doesn't make it right but there was also a guy who was creating the first ever human um what was it? It, it like human um anatomy oh anatomy model sort of thing yeah yeah and taking photos of a real heart and a real pair of lungs and stuff like that so that you know with the teaching i've forgotten what it's actually called dissection the anatomy and dissection of the body they'd be producing wouldn't they like the the layout of the human body in the anatomy yeah they were but there was like a specific reason why they were taking the photographs, but I, I really can't remember what it was called, and somebody out there is probably screaming at me, but if you are screaming at me, at God's Wallet Pod, please, because it will drive me nuts. Yeah, update us. Or actually, when I've finished recording, I'll just look it up, but, you know, still tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so he was, like, he was taking photos, and it was an actual doctor that, you know, was trying to sort of piece everything together. And I just wonder if, is the two might have been slightly connected in some way. Well, because before then they were grave robbers and they were just digging up graves. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm not sure Burke and Hare were before Jack the Ripper, though, but they, they were grave robbers initially, weren't they? Picking up sort of freshly uh, buried corpses to be used in dissection uh, from, you know, from the doctors. Yeah. And if memory serves me, there was some sort of ruling on that only certain bodies could be used for dissection and, uh, and you know, for use for medical cadavers. But I can't, I'm no use to you on this one because I can't remember what the exact ruling was, I'm afraid. Was it children who died and there's something else? There's some rule anyway. So, yeah, not hit us up with the information, people. I think it was, was it natural causes that the people died of? I don't know if they would have given too much of a damn, if I'm honest. No. Uh, they were sort of just taking bodies from the ground like that. I've actually just pulled it up. It was actually 1828, so it was before Jack the Ripper. Way before. Score, I was right. Yeah, you were. Well done, James. I get a gold star, yes. <laughs> yeah, 1828, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 40 years before. Uh, no, 60 yeah. years beforehand, wasn't it? Jebba dumb fuck up, there you go. <laughs> a Scottish law required that corpses used for medical research should only come from those who had died in prison, suicide victims, or from foundlings and orphans. So I was right, foundlings, yeah. A little bit right, anyway. Oh, it was forensic examination. Ah. Yeah, so he was doing uh, the forensic side. So that was all the beginning of all of that interesting stuff. Right. Without the interference of Birkin Hare, we wouldn't have the forensic study. Yeah, yep. it's true. We wouldn't have, like, the books about the human body and things. Well, we probably would. It would have taken a lot longer. Mm. Yeah, because obviously the photos that he was taking, you know, like if you if you did look through an anatomy book, yeah, there's quite realistic pictures of like the human art and stuff like that, isn't there? Have any of you been to the Body Works exhibit? No, no, oh, but I wish I, I had. No, it's horrific. Really? Yeah. Is that the one in Germany? No, he's on tour, so I saw it in Amsterdam, and yeah, it's if I because I'm not really into you know, surgery and stuff like that. So to see the body in natural poses, you know, peeled back like an onion, it's a bit like, oh, jeez. Mm. Oh, jeez. Yeah, because it, it went around the UK, didn't it? I think. Yeah, plasticizes the, the body in various poses, you know. Yeah. I think it's a German artist. Yeah, he's not a well man, is he, as well? He himself has said that he's looking to actually donate himself when he passes for the same sort of thing oh uh, yeah uh, but the artist that you were talking about then uh andy was gunther von hager uh han h-a-g-e-n-s hagens hagens yeah that sounds about right so yeah that was the that was the artist but yeah i remember seeing that when i first went well i didn't actually see it but i remember hearing about it when i first went to germany and i was probably only about 14 and uh, my mum and my uncle were talking about it. So if you're not squeamish, it's a fantastic ex- exhibition and exhibits. Mm. But if you're squeamish, it's just, yeah, cabinet after cabinet of just horrificness. Beautiful horrificness. Yeah. Because the human form, you know, inside and out is a wonder of uh, engineering, but still horrific if you're squeamish. Mm. Yeah, and it's definitely if you don't know if you're squeamish, that's the one way to find out. Mm. I'll tell you, there's yeah. one one section where it it does put you off sex for a while. Oh, <laughs> yeah. spoilers! You'll never look at doggy in the same way. <laughs> that scares me on the many levels. Yeah. Did you? There was I think it was a BBC documentary where they basically put a camera 
inside the vagina and basically filmed people having sex and the journey of the sperm. That was horrific as a teenager to watch. Oh, I never saw that. It was pretty banned by the time I was a teenager. It was shown on like a panorama. Andy isn't that old. Hey, you wouldn't have been too far behind me, old man. I just said you're not that old. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it would have been like a panorama or, or horizon type thing, you know, so it was done in its normal um, desexualized BBC way. Yeah. Oh, no, I definitely don't remember that. I'm not going to look it up though. I'll send you, I'll find it and send you the link to <laughs> <probably> on iPlayer. <laughs> Oh, lovely. Yeah. I'll ignore that. <laughs> Although I'm actually sort of semi-intrigued now. You got semi off. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I can nearly hang my coat. Oh, God. <laughs> I just took a mouthful of drink then. I knew spat it all over the place. <laughs> you cheeky git. Right, James, let's move on. Last but not least. Yes. Who have you brought to the table? Going from the discussion, we've been discussing medical obviously medical doctors. So I'm going to bring now to you the basically the highest uh, estimated serial killer we have in the UK, which is Harold Frederick Shipman. Bastard. Who yeah. was uh, alive from uh, 1946 to 2004. So uh, Frederick Harold Frederick Shipman was uh, a general practitioner. He worked as a, uh, a GP and he initially started out well they believe the issues with him may have come from his childhood which is obviously what happened with a lot of criminality um he when he was younger was incredibly close to his mother and his mother died from lung cancer when he was 17 and one of the things he would have they believe have been around for was where uh, she was having morphine administered to her by a doctor and they believe that it's one of the things that he uh, witnessed which may have uh triggered some of the things he uh, did later on now Shipman obviously he was originally raised in uh, he came initially from um, I believe it was the Yorkshire area got married uh, at a young age to uh, Primrose uh, Oxterby uh, who later obviously became Primrose Shipman when they got married and he set up uh, as a general practitioner or working as a doctor in training in Pontefract in West Yorkshire now, the interesting thing at that point is he developed a drugs problem. Um, and most of the time when this would happen, uh, as a doctor, you could generally be struck off. You'd be removed. But he was basically just fined and told to you know, go into rehabilitation. This is where the situation gets worse, far, far worse, because he goes from being in a situation where he has a drugs problem um, to being allowed to set up um, as a GP on his own or his own practice uh, in the small town of Hyde in the north of England. Now, to go into the extreme detail, what Shipman did would take uh, hours upon hours, but generally he would find a elderly patient who would generally be uh, a female patient. He would uh, befriend them. He would have, to be fair, throughout, he always had a very good relationship with his victim. <laughs> Sorry, I was just, I giggled a little bit there because you just said, to be fair, he would be. No, but, but what he'd do is he, he, he would get, you know, he, he'd ingratiate himself with them. He was within the community. Shipman was absolutely loved by, uh, the people who, who were his patients. He was seen as being this incredibly upstanding, really caring doctor who would go above and beyond to help people. Yeah. The, the linking to me, 
personally with this is it's for the area of Hyde is around where I grew up. I actually went to school with old Shipman's kids, so I knew all his children, and I actually knew Harold Shipman. Mm. But what would happen is he would obviously be getting very close to these people, and they all seem to be dying of the same sort of things. They'd be generally older people, they'd be going in, and they'd, they would maybe in some cases be seen to be, okay, they were old, they had some health problems, but they'd generally go in to see him, or he would go and see them at home, and then they'd pass. Mm. And it was seen as something that initially, that it, it was a very hard thing for people to believe, but you had, uh, what they reckon was praise on doing was that when the coroners were looking at the death certificates of the bodies, they seemed to think he had an incredibly high number of death certificates that were signed by him that need to be countersigned by, uh, you know, by coroners. And then the real thing that happened is that a lady called Kathleen Grundy, who was actually a mayor for the town, died. And all that was listed on the death certificate was old age. And her family members couldn't sort of fathom, A, how she died in that manner, but also the fact that a large quantity of money in her will, and I think in memory serves me, her house had been left to shipment and this was challenging. It didn't make any sense to them. Mm. So what happened is, um, and it was something that you saw an awful lot of as the case became apparent what was happening is uh, Kathleen Grundy's body was exhumed and within her body were found traces of diamorphine. Now diamorphine is given an extreme painkiller for people and it's a derivative of heroin. It's a strange thing to find in someone's body unless they're, you know, they're, they're fighting illness where they're in extreme pain and they've got a health problem. And when Shipman was questioned on this, and this is the one that I think was his real, uh, the real one of the real things that got him, is he claimed that with Kathleen Grundy, who again is an elderly lady who was the former mayor, was a drug addict, which, you know, okay, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, but it's incredibly unusual. And the other thing that they got him on is the fact that his medical records on his computer were showing that They'd been altered after the time they're supposed to have been filled in. So, say, you know, he might, say, put the 12th of June down to the date the, this person died and it's found to have been filled in in, say, September. Mm. They also found that the typewriter he had showed that it was the same sort of typewriter that was used for a forged will. And the more they investigated what Shipman was doing, and the more times they were looking at the bodies, they began to found a a, um, a common pattern in what he was doing, which was finding an older person. They were being found to have died with uh, you know, an injection of dimorphine that was killing them off. With regard to Shipman, at the time it was incredibly... Um, it was a, a case that created a real um, shock within the country because nothing had ever been seen at this level before when it comes to killing. And certainly... When you look at somebody who's, who's taken the Hippocratic Oath, who's expected to actually, you know, you know, save lives instead of ending them, um, people couldn't fathom what was going on. I remember personally within the communities around then, people who known him and known his children, they just initially when he was arrested, people said, "This has got to be wrong. There's no way this can be. Uh, this can be done by him. This has got to be a misunderstanding or a stitch up or something." And then as more and more information came out it became apparent that this was not the case. And he was actually found guilty of 15 counts of murder and one count of forgery at the case. Now, at his trial, sorry. And he was sentenced, obviously, to life imprisonment. The decision was then made 
that by the then Home Secretary David Blunkett that he would serve a whole life tariff, as in he would never ever be free from prison. And say he should, to be fair. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, he's dead now, but yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. What then happened is Shipman was in prison. After a certain period of time in prison, he basically took his own life. And the belief band, the reason he did that is that um, it was to, to allow his family to get monies from, like, his will. But he said throughout the entire time he was in prison, he would never admit to anything. He never gave um, he never gave anybody any clues as to what had happened or what he'd done. And he stands in history. He's now infamous as being the only doctor in history within Britain who's been found guilty of murdering their own patients. And when they look back at more of the things he'd done, they believe he could have potentially have killed people even earlier on, but they cannot pin it on him. Uh, they don't have enough evidence. So the figures they look at on how many people they think he's killed, and just to really, really look at this and emphasise it, between 215 to 250 people they believe he could have killed. Bloody hell. I mean, it, it, it's not as as higher numbers, but there was the nurse who was, um, I think it was 2003, or was it a little bit later, I think so. Might be might be a bit later, but he was a nurse, and he was found guilty of murder of um, patients in his care through mm-hmm. overdose of insulin and morphine. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you're starting to hear more and more cases of you know rogue health professionals. And I think the shocking thing with Shipman is the fact that the length of time that he was supposed to, you know, they reckon he'd done this between 1975 and 1998. <clears throat> this period where he was sort of acting with, uh, well, you know, basically impunity. Nobody was had the ability to stop him. Uh, an interesting personal side note I have that links me in to Shipman, other than knowing his children things from school and having known him and his family to a degree, is, as I said, with the Hippocratic Oath, so Put to one side the fact that he was a murderer. Just consider the fact he was a doctor. And as part of the Hippocratic Oath, you are supposed to look after people and care for them. Uh, and when I was very young, we all went on a scouting trip. And there was, uh, you know, a, a lads and dads cubs thing. And one of the pe- fathers who was there doing it was Harold Shipman, as was my father and other people's fathers. And he'd go off and do various activities. And when I was there, I probably about eight, I fell really badly and hurt my knee. And I mean, really, really hurt my knee. Now, the interesting thing is the only two people who really looked after me were uh, my father and a friend, a friend's father. They tried to speak to Harold Shipman, who you'd think as a doctor would show some interest in caring a pay, you know, and somebody would hurt themselves, and he seemed very dismissive and disinterested. Because you were on age. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a good thing. Obviously, it's a very good thing that he did show disinterest into you, though. I'm not saying he would have killed me, but you would think as a doctor, you know, suppose he's a doctor, he's someone who's supposed to uh, to look after people and show an interest in them. Or even, you know, even if what he needed was a plaster, he'd got yeah. a bit of bedside manner just to calm you, calm you down. And that's what I mean, that was a very interesting thing. But it was quite, I do remember at the time what an absolute shock it was, because people could not understand, and you can understand it, people just could not fathom and believe what he'd done. Mm. Yeah, you know, I remember sort of being in shock, in shock, but like disgusted mm-hmm. shock, you know, at how, you know, because I always, I always think of, you've got the, the kind of three different generations mm-hmm. in my eyes. You've got children, very small children, you know, uh, up until say the age of 16 mm-hmm. sort of thing. Then you've got adults and then you've got the elderly. And it's kind of like if anything gets affected, you know, like if the, elderly get affected by something or get 
you know, bumped off by something or children, then it kind of really, it kind of makes me angry, mm. you know, because I think of those two categories as being categories. I suppose that's not the right term, but anyway. Groups. Groups. Yeah. Thank you. As being the vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, they're putting trust into these people who are then, you know, killing them. And I'll, I'll stick up for everyone and say that everyone is vulnerable. <laughs> I know what you yeah. mean, but uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, to a point, yeah. But if if it was the case, say it was a really frail old lady. I'm going to use an old lady, but it could be an old man. And a doctor's coming in to see her and she's refusing to have the injection, but actually that doctor's stronger than her and can pin her down to give her the injection. As like your age, Andy, or my age, or, you know, everybody else in the chat we probably would have the energy to fight that person off. Whereas that frail little old lady probably doesn't. Yeah, but I'll take umbrage to that because, you know, we aren't, not everyone is fit, strong and healthy. Mm. So but anyways, it, that's a completely yeah. massive different subject. But no, I, you know, I, I get the sentiment. Yeah. But the, the only positive thing that ever came out of the shipment case, the situation with him is there was a huge review of, you know, keeping records, um, the way the, the medical profession acted to stop people being able to do this. Because the thing that you maybe wouldn't have been aware of so much, unless you're like me, of that area, um, although I never used shipment as a doctor, I, d- I didn't live close enough to, to the, where he worked, um, and it fell into the catchment, is that he was running this. The re- when I, I mean, people laugh, but when I say people loved him, they did love him. In the community, who seems this fabulous, brilliant doctor who ran pretty much an entire thing on his own with a very low level of staff. And you would have, even at the time, I think even after with some people, they would not hear a bad word against him because they could not believe that he'd done what he'd done because he was so loved. And that's what I'm talking about. The, the horror of what he did. And the impact it had upon the entire community, and still to some degree has on the community, is quite a shocking thing. But it has mm. the, the positive in- impact it's had upon the medical profession, the fact that people are now not allowed to sort of sign off death certificates so uh, easily and readily, and that it's more stringent review what's going on. It's just a massive abuse of position. Yeah. That's, that's what does it for me, is because you're yeah. putting your trust in someone. Yeah, and that was the big, that was the, the real the shock for people that he was seen as this big trustworthy person yeah and i guess that's still a time where the gp that the doctor was still the heart of the community and and they knew their patients yeah and he would go out and do home visits and things yeah i mean i don't remember the last time i actually saw my named gp yeah me neither i well as you say gps like they integrate themselves into the community don't they it sort of became sort of hero worship, I think, with ship, with ship. Yes, spot on. Yeah, that's sort of like they won't have a word said against him because yeah. he's renowned for I don't know. He sorted out my son's knee, or he helped my grandfather's bronchitis. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Am I right in thinking that they all those deaths uh, within that community? They just put that off as coincidence or wouldn't connect him. I don't know if they were all within that community. Obviously, an incredibly high number of them would have been, but they then stepped and looked at when he'd been in, uh, you know, in, he'd been he'd been a, 
initially working as a GP in uh, in Yorkshire, in Tommerdon. So they sort of looked at the entire run of what he'd done. And it's, you know, it's a it's a horrific thing when you look at it. But it puts a massive question mark over, if not all, but the majority of his death certificates of people above a certain age. That's what happened. It, 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 the only thing, I mean, obviously he did what he did and it's terrible, but is you will ask the question, how much of the, have the, you know, because they've probably thrown a bit of a blanket over the number and said, well, like you said, Andy, we'll have to just question probably. everything. So it's hard to say how much is exactly going to be something he's, where he's killed somebody, uh, or, you know, have they just sort of hedged the bets on it? And it's a bit like, I sort of say the same thing with what happened with Jimmy Savile. He did horrific, awful things, but I Ugh. don't think everything they've accused him of is going to be what they say he's done. You know, some of it, I think he's, They've thrown the blanket, say, well, we'll cover everything. Yeah. Do you know what the shame was with that one, with Jimmy Savile? Mm-hmm. Was the fact that it all came to light after he died. Yeah, yeah. You know, and not that I wanted him to defend himself, but, you know, like for the things that he, the things that he did, which were absolutely disgusting, um, you know, like he. There's no justice. Yeah. He should have paid for what he'd done. I mean, he will, hopefully, if there is a God and if there is a hell and all that, hopefully he will be suffering for that, you know. It's just a complete lack of justice. Um, you know, and I think also the, 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 the victim's families for Shipman will feel robbed of that mm. with his suicide. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I remember hearing that at the time. There are a lot of people who said, well, what, what happened? Because I remember, you know, I was actually woken up, but it was my mother actually woke me up to say, you know, Harold Shipman's hung himself uh, when that, that became apparent in the, in the news of what he'd done. But he said he could never, ever admit to anybody what he'd done. He couldn't do it. Now, whether he'd done this thing where you hear where people convince themselves they've not done something because they can't face it or he just simply didn't want to admit to it yeah right we will yeah we'll never know because it was a power thing they said with him as well he he was quite an egotistical chap as i understand it i don't have a real memory great memory of him i remember being around him a bit but i don't have loads of memories of him but yes he's supposed to be quite a controlling chap so psychopaths aren't aren't the nicest no no well, no, they're not, obviously, but... Yeah, I think you're quite right there, Andy. <laughs> Sorry, Andy, I always agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not because I'm always right, but, you know, 99.99% of what I say is partially true. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's fake news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's been a big spate of the kind of what I would say trust killings because, you know, the yeah. soap murders, you know, the caretaker. mm you know, the, it's just, it begged, that's, I think that's the biggest shock is I think people can handle murder of a single or multiples for serial killers if there is no connection between the victim and the perpetrator. Yeah. But when it becomes a, an emotional link or a tangible link, that's where we as a society just cannot process that abuse yeah but the problem is the majority of murders are you know murder most of the time there is a murder is by the victim knows the person who's killed them don't they there is some sort of connection there for wonderful single murders yeah but for serial killing oh yeah yeah you know it's a very special category yeah because it's usually the same type of person either they've got 
blonde hair, brown hair, brown, you know, like whatever mm-hmm. the specificness about it. And there's always like a yeah, there's a pattern, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there's lots of patterns. That's that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. But um, I found the two that I was talking about earlier. If we just want to lighten the mood slightly before okay um but before we do james did you have another one or um... i've got one more but it's not a serial killer but it is a murderer okay so there was whether or not you have heard of this um this case uh but this is another one that has huge precedent upon the legal system there was a uh young girl she was only 11 called leslie uh susan well, she was born Leslie Sooner, Susan Anderson, and then when her family remarried, she was known as Leslie Molseed. And she was an 11-year-old girl, and she lived in West Yorkshire. And she was killed. Um, I don't want to go into huge details. It's, it's quite a horrible case, but she was basically, she was a very sickly child anyway, and she had various cardiac and uh, heart problems. She had to have heart surgery as a child. Now, she was... Um, Killed in 1975, and basically, long story short, you know, you can look up, look up and see about her. But she went out to go shopping for a mother, and she was uh, basically uh, kidnapped, uh, assaulted, uh, you know, sexually assaulted, and uh, murdered. Now, the impact this has, the death of a child is always a terrible thing. The murder of a child, the murder of anybody, is a terrible thing. But the impact this had on the legal system um, is quite unbelievable because there was a man uh, known as uh, Kitchko who was a uh, was a tax uh, specialist in the area in Rochdale. Um, uh, sorry, no, it was um, near Rishworth Moor, sorry, uh, where she was killed. But within the Rochdale area, there was a guy called Kitchko and he was a, uh, a tax worked in the tax office. And he basically had uh, extreme learning difficulties and he was picked up by the police on a tip-off by four young girls who said, I think he'd exposed himself to them and he'd been seen in the area. When he was picked up, he was found to have, like, you know, some sweets in a car and uh, some girly magazines of some some sort. He was picked up by the police who basically um, put him through uh, an extremely, uh, well, inconsistent, uh, an incorrect form of questioning. So he was basically just, he was never given any of his rights correctly. No solicitor was present basically for the interviews. And he was basically um, railroaded into admitting uh, that he committed a murder, which he never committed. He went to prison. Um, as I said, this guy was basically, to use probably not too correct term, but he was sort of subnormal. So he was not someone who would ever be able to, to process what he said or what he did correctly. He thought that by telling the police what he wanted, he would be found to be innocent in court and would be released from prison and nothing would, you know, he'd never go to prison. He was basically, you know, he ended up spending, to put it short, um, pretty much, most of his, his life within prison, he was attacked in prison, he was assaulted by people. Because of his own mental health problems, it got worse for him. He ended up getting schizophrenia while he was in prison. And as I said, he went to prison in 1975, cons- consistently uh, pled his innocence. His poor mother attempted to get him out of prison to help him. And he was only acquitted and released from prison in, um, well, in 1992. <gasps> so if you think he'd basically been in prison since 1975 for a crime that he hadn't committed, and he was at, when he was released from prison, so he was only released in um, 
uh, yeah, in about 92 to 93, sorry, late 92, he was fully allowed to go home because he was having to spend time even in hospital then because of the effect it had on him. He basically died of a massive heart attack in nine, in, on the 23rd of December 1993. Oh, man. Uh, and unfortunately, his mother died somewhat later from this. So this it's viewed as one of the worst miscarriages of justice that had happened. So obviously some... This poor man had gone to prison. The girls who lied about what they'd said about him sort of admitted they lied, but I could never get my head around why they were not charged with, you know, basically miscarriage of justice, lying to the police, etc. But that didn't seem to happen. I, I suppose it depends on the age of the, the girls as well, doesn't it? But as adults, if they admit as adults that they've lied, you think there will be some repercussion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Obviously, this terrible miscarriage of justice had happened. And then, on the 5th of November 2006, a man called Ronald Castry, who was from Little Britain, Rochdale, was uh, picked up for the crime due to DNA evidence they found. From what I understand, they'd, they'd found, because there'd been improvements in the ability to look at DNA, they found that there was, in fact, a semen sample on the underwear of the girl uh, who'd been killed, and it was found to be from the Castries, uh, DNA from another crime he committed. Uh, he was basically found to have been arrested for sort of like a sexual assault in the past and assaults against people. Now, the interesting link is the fact that Ronald Castry was a comic book dealer and he had a comic book shop in the town of Ashton-Underline, which is where I went to college. Oh, God. And I'm sure you can see where this is leading. So I used to sometimes go to the comic book shop of Ronald Castry and spent an awful lot of time, uh, you know, talking to him, etc., etc. Now, interestingly, before Ronald Castry was picked up and arrested for this, uh, and he went to, he's now serving like a minimum of 30 years in prison, he suddenly shut up shop. Suddenly, and then shortly after he'd shut up shop and sort of vanished off the scene, he was picked up for this 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 murder and arrested. Um, so yet again, unfortunately, this is somebody I've had some involvement who was a mur- who was a murderer. But here's the really w- sort of scary thing: I actually discussed this case with him. <laughs> what did he say then? Nothing. He said nothing about it. But I remember sort of saying, "Oh, wasn't it terrible that this guy had gone to prison and some and sort of like basically said some horrible bastards let him rot." For a crime that he committed, he sort of, he was very non-committal. No disrespect, James, but I don't think I ever want to meet you in person. You are just so fucking unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't kill me. <laughs> what, sir? You wait. Hang on, hang on. You say unlucky. You say unlucky. I say very lucky. <laughs> I was going to say though, James. You know how you've got like this um, this gap in memory where you yeah. can't remember certain things. Did yeah. all of this happen during that time? <laughs> no. <laughs> When's the last time you Way had before. an MRI slash full body x-ray? Uh, Are you sure you've got all your organs? <laughs> Is there any little scars on you that you're thinking, not quite, don't quite remember how I got that? Oh, there's a lot of scars on me, but I do thankfully know where most of them are from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of them. <laughs> but is that not amazing to think that with Castry, I actually mentioned the case to him? Yeah. I mean, amazing is probably the worst word that you could use, but yeah, it is. It's definitely interesting. But but it, that case created such a review in the way the, 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 you know, the legal uh, system was operating. I mean, the fact that this poor man, that's the thing, this 
some yeah. poor girl has been killed. Some poor man who completely done nothing wrong simply because he fit, and it's the awful things he fit a profile. Mm. You know, as being the weirdo, you know, went to prison. But with Castry, when they then looked at his case, you know, his, his, his file, and sort of basically realised how many other things he'd done, which I think he'd assaulted a prostitute, he'd assaulted some woman. He's believed to also, I remember reading something, his son was saying that he'd sexually assaulted other children. Uh, an incredibly nasty bit of work. And also a fanaticist because he'd tell, he sort of like said to me, oh, I once served in the army. I did this. I work as like, I also go and sort of get, get money from people like doing loan sharking. And it was all just bullshit. He'd never served in the army. He never did anything to do with loan shark. So yeah, but yeah, terrible situation, but it's good to see that finally, you know, justice prevailed and he, um, He's now serving the prison sentence, which he should have served all those years ago. And, and to be honest, you know that case, and there's lots of other cases of those horrific um, miscarriages of justice, is why I don't think capital punishment should ever be brought back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything is suspect, even if a jury or a judge finds mm-hmm. otherwise. Because mm-hmm. you've got to also think at the time with Castry why he got off up to that point. It's because they didn't have the ability to look at the evidence correctly. And yeah, they obviously wanted a quick case, didn't they? Thought, right, this, you know. And how many um, sexual attacks cases have been thrown out? There was a recent story where a laboratory mixed up the samples or the evidence wasn't clean. Um, So Mm -hmm. there was a lot of um, trials now that have been acquitted. Mm -hmm. There's a massive case in in the US where uh, there was a warehouse full of tens of thousands of rape kits. Oof. that weren't properly evidence backed up in in some cases worrying uh, so the, it's yeah it's horrific still you know we'll um give it a couple of hours and we'll be out of europe <laughs> can't get much worse than that yeah what, what a lovely halloween episode this will turn out to be <laughs> the real horror begins i think this is exactly what personally i was thinking it was going to happen so i think it's actually quite a good horror a, a halloween episode mm. it's gonna spook the shit out of people episode to slit your wrist by <laughs> yeah i was gonna say poor sean is like oh, what the fuck yeah. did i get myself in for what what happened they said uh, comedy james got rejected by shipman and <laughs> yeah re- rejected by castry <laughs> oh james man you could have been famous yeah yeah <laughs> You'd have been dead, but famous. <laughs> no, but it's um, it's a gross miscarriage of justice. What that second case, especially, it's yeah. terrible because there are things that things like that do happen now. But as you say, we've got the means to fully investigate it now, whereas back then they didn't, or they didn't think to correlate those things that had happened. Mm. The way they treat Kitchko was appalling, though. Things like they didn't read him his rights correctly. They didn't allow him to have anybody present, you know, to, to represent him. And he, you know, they wanted someone they could they could pin it on, didn't they, quickly? You know, they wanted an open-shut case. And someone who is a big lumbering guy who's not right in the head is going to be an easy guy to go. And these, these girls have said, it's him, well... They run with it. Yeah. Definitely so. Andy, did you say that you found the story, the funny story in the end? Yeah, well, it has a funny ending. To sort of, yeah, like you said, to lighten the mood, let's uh, bring it all back up again. It's not normally me who does that. (laughs) (laughs) So this happened between 1797 to 1803 in the United States. And the first pair have a 
body count of 40. Which is pretty high, yeah. Oh, yeah, but especially when you combine it with the next one. Um, so Highwaymen and uh, River Pirates, known as Big and Little Harp, or the Harp Brothers, who often killed people of all types for thrill or minor slights without actual monetary gain, even babies. Yeah. Big Harper bashed his own infant daughter's head against a tree because her crying annoyed him. This was the only murder he claimed to feel sorry about. Big Harp was shot and beheaded in 1799 by people who sought vengeance for the murder of a woman, while Little Harp was arrested when he took fellow outlaw Samuel Mason's head to the authorities and tried to collect a bounty put on him in 1803, but was recognised, tried, and hanged in 1804. So Samuel Mason was a highwayman and river pirate, sometimes associated with the Harp brothers and other outlaws. After being arrested in Louisiana and turned over to the American authorities, Mason overpowered his guards and escaped, but was shot in the process. His head was later given to the authorities by his accomplice, Wiley Harp, who wished to collect the bounty on the fugitive Mason. It is unknown if Mason died of his injuries or Harp killed him. His body count was 20 plus. So between these three, they had a body count of plus 60. Oh dear. How thick have you got to be to a known wanted fugitive to take a... (laughs) Someone yeah, else's head to carry a bounty. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, like, where's the funny in this? But yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is the funny yeah. in it. James's traumatic <laughs> childhood, I think, sucked all the comedy out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I said earlier about being ninety nine point nine nine percent of what I say is vaguely true. Yeah, I, th- I think when you listen to what I originally said and what I've just said, you'll you'll totally agree. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, because he hanged himself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, one escaped, and then, yeah, it's just like, no. Yeah, yeah. On that note, I think we've been talking enough Codswallop this week. I've been Gemma. I've been the traumatised James. I'm shaking in a corner, Andy. I've been the enlightened Sean. <laughs> Yeah, and Sean really is what he wants to say is the why the fuck did I sign up for this episode? I never want to see behind the curtain ever again. Yeah, hopefully our friendship will survive, Sean. Well, not if you attract serial killers, you won't. (laughs) Right. Well, happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 In this town, we go home. Everybody hail to the pumpkin song. <laughs> <laughs>